This is the Mind and Wellness Podcast. We're raising mental health awareness by discussing the little things you can do to enhance your life, covering topics like anxiety, depression, and how to handle life's pressures. With your hosts, Scott Quinnell and Jennifer Herman. Together, we will show you how to improve your mind and wellness. This podcast is brought to you by the Midwest Center for Personal and Family Development, a mental health clinic in the greater Twin Cities area. No matter what, there are people to help. For more information, visit mentalhealthinc.com or call them at 651-647-1900. Hi, Scott. How are you doing today? Uh, not too bad. You know, we're up in the Midwest, right? And it got a little cold this last week, and it's only September. It did. I was up in Brainerd over the past weekend, and oh, it was very cold. Yeah, I was. I mean, I my rule of thumb is that if it gets too cold before Halloween, it's gonna be a nasty winter. They're predicting it's gonna be cold and then a lot of snow. Time to bundle up. It is. So, a topic today that I think would be of interest to you and our audience today is on the five love languages that was developed by Gary Chapman. And over several years of working with couples, he narrowed down communication styles to five of them. How long ago, like what time period did Gary come up with these? His first book was written, written in 1995. So that's 25 years ago. So the five love languages, I personally have never even heard of that. Um, and to our listeners out there, can you just describe like what a love language is? I definitely will be getting into those. So I'll just rattle them off and then we'll go into detail more of them. Affirmation, quality time, gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. And so this is kind of like, so the five things that you just listed, these are kind of how two people in a relationship express love, right? How they express and receive love. The thought is that discovering you and your partner's primary love language and speaking that language regularly creates better understanding of each other's needs and support each other's growth. All right, so let's just dive into number one and just talk about the first one. You said the first one is words of affirmation. Like what is, what is affirmation? How do, you, how do you express that to one another? So this is verbal and or it can be written. It's the I love you. It's the compliments. It's the words of appreciation, encouragement, validation. So it's like when you were in high school and you would slip like a little note to your crush. <laughs> yes. Right? Would that, would that kind of count? <laughs> that would count. Yep. It's also, let's say, you know, you're, you're going to have a presentation for the day um, and your partner sends you a text and says, you're going to knock it out of the park. You write like a good luck text, like mm -hmm. I'm cheering for you. Yes. And then, so number two, you said quality time. And I feel like that one is kind of self-explanatory, kind of something where it's just spend time with one another. But like, do you want to just elaborate on like the quality part? 
It is. It is undivided attention. I think that's really the key of it. You know, you're making eye contact. You're not being distracted by the outside world. You're not spending a lot of time on your phone texting. You're engaging in an activity that your partner enjoys with you. You're doing it together. So, I mean, like, what's like, what do you do? Like, what's an example of something that is like, like personal to you? I mean, I have some ideas that I do with my girlfriend, but. What is something that you and your husband do? So our number one quality time that we do together is golfing. So my girlfriend has never uh, gone like golfing before in her life. But earlier in the summer, I had taken her to the driving range. Oh, really? And then lately, I I had transitioned to disc golf. Mm-hmm. And we actually picked up a like we picked up disc golf very fast. There's a little course just right around where we live, and we just huck some Frisbees around and okay, maybe keep track of score. I mean, you don't even have to do that. You can just hang out and do the activity together. That's quality time. Quality time was number two. And then number three was, I feel like this one's self-explanatory. Yes, that is receiving gifts. And that is, um, it's, it's a tangible item. But the key with this is, it's just not getting the item, it's the whole process. It's the thought that counts. It's, oh my gosh, somebody actually thought about the gift, went out and and picked it out, and then it's when you're actually going to receive it. He thought, he she thought of when to present it. And it doesn't even have to be like a special occasion. Would you say that it's more meaningful if it's not a special occasion? Yeah. Like, for instance, um, if there's a kitchen gadget that could really make a difference on something that you like to make and your significant other knows about this, you've mentioned it, you know, I could really use this hand mixer. And one day they go out and get it for you. And they don't wait for your birthday or for Christmas or a holiday. They right. just go and do it. You don't even have to wrap it. I mean, it just could be like something that you know that they want, uh, but they don't have the time or they don't really even think about going out and getting it for themselves. And so it's, it, would you just say that it's more the thought of getting the gift, no matter how simple it is, than the actual gift itself? Right. It's not attached to a monetary value. And so number four, when we had talked uh, off the mic, this was the one I was the most confused about, and it's acts of service. What, what is acts of service? So acts of service is doing something for somebody. So let's say you're sick and your significant other goes out and grabs soup for you. Or if you're just not feeling up to doing the carpool. So your significant other goes and says, I'm going to take care of the kids. I'll do the route. Okay, I got you. And then it would also kind of fall under like if, let's say, for example, I'm the first one up and I maybe made coffee and if I really wanted to go the whole nine yards, made breakfast in bed, that, that kind of falls under that category. Mm-hmm. Or let's say there's a house repair that's simple and it's just been annoying you, but it's on the honey-do list and you tackle it that resonates with that person. And so the last uh, love language 
is physical touch. And we touched on like physical touch and how it affects the mind uh, in the last couple episodes. But so how, how does physical touch relate to a love language? Yep, that mind-body connection. So this is kissing, touching, holding hands, sex. That that resonates with a person where their love language is touch. And it's just that feeling of like comfort and, you know, someone else loving you, really. Mm-hmm. So, Scott, I know what my love languages are, but I want to hear what yours are first. Well, after we had talked and then after talking on this podcast right now, uh, I honestly can only come up with one that really like stands out to me. And it's the quality time with each other, because I feel like at the end of the day, uh, you know, no matter what each of you two are doing, or in my case, what my girlfriend and I are doing. It, it, we just need to spend that quality time with each other, whether it's like a certain amount of time a day or like a weekend day, just to unwind together because we're both busy, just to unwind together after a long day or a long week. And I just feel like that's the one thing that stands out to me specifically. Okay. And that one is very, very popular. In fact, I hear it a lot. So believe it or not, mine is actually acts of service. Okay, so what do you, like, what resonates to you? It's those little things that my husband does for me, such as picking up our youngest um, from football or doing something off the honey-do list to help out around the house. And so to our listeners out there, I actually have met your husband before, and from what I know when I have met him, he's a pretty handy guy. He is. So, like, if anything breaks around the house, I mean, is he usually on it pretty quick? He is. He is. And it is very much appreciated. Uh, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's a very nice, uh, nice, nice thing to have, you know? He's pretty handy and, yes, very much appreciated. So my second love language is actually words of affirmation. Okay, so what about... Okay, what about that do you like? So I really do like my husband saying, I love you. I appreciate you. That really resonates with me. It kind of just, like, does it give you, like, a sense of, like, comfort? It does. It warms me. And it makes me think that he's thinking of me throughout the day. And so the example I gave earlier where if I'm giving a presentation and he will text me in the morning because he'll get up before I do. The and crack leave. of dawn. Yep. And he'll say, you're going to knock it out of the park or I love you. Um, I'll see you at the end of the day or I'll check in with you after your presentation. That's just, oh, I just get chills just thinking yeah, about it now. Goosebumps. I do. It, it, so it truly goes to my core. Uh, before we start blushing too much and before <laughs> this gets too cheesy, uh, yeah. let's which so out of all the five love languages, which one's the most popular? So that's a really great question. Um, Gary Chapman actually did his own study and over 10,000 people from his online quiz back in 2010 
words of affirmation was the most popular love language, but only by a thin margin. He did not say what the other ones that were close behind were. Okay. And that, so it's only by a thin margin though. And then you said off the mic again, you said that he did another study. Not him, but a dating app. Hinge analyzed their dating app. And the most common love language was quality time. And that was by far. And I don't know, you know, that was back in 2018. So that's not that far. Yeah, that's not that long ago. No, that, right. And I think that really speaks to how busy we are right now in our lives and how precious time is. We're only going to get busier. I mean, with social media expanding and more responsibilities coming up within each job field, I mean, time is just going to get more and more precious. So I do have one question just about the two different studies. So you said uh, Chapman, he did a study in 2010, but then the next study wasn't done until 2018. Mm -hmm. Do you think it was like the reason it was different was partially because maybe it was two different age groups or like generations that took the quiz? I know where you're going with this. And, you know, I certainly have no expertise to say for sure, but my personal opinion and based on what I see in the clinic, I would definitely say there's a correlation with that, that the gener- the generation that we see now, um, millennial XYZ, definitely. And I feel like it also, it, it could depend on your like, how how would you say it? Like your stand stance in society maybe I don't know like well that's interesting you're bringing this up because that was kind of something I was going to segue into um, going into cultural norms gender customs and overall values and that shifts throughout the world and also social economic status so um, one of the things to think about is what is prevalent in Western civilization is less common in non-Western cultures. So I'm going to give you an example. In South Asian culture, praising somebody directly is not well received. But if you were to give them a compliment through a third person, and then it comes back to them like through the grapevine, that is really well received. Tell me if I'm on the same page, but is the reason that that is the way it is is because if somebody gave somebody a compliment uh, directly to their face, do you think the person that received the compliment might have taken it as more of like a petty remark? You know, it's a really good question, and I haven't studied enough about Asian culture to know, but I, I it could be something about being uncomfortable with getting that direct compliment. Like not knowing what to say. Yep. Or just knowing that you think enough of me to share it with somebody else, and then it circles back. And then another cultural difference is affection. In other parts of the world, uh, physical touch and that um, display of affection is not socially appropriate, but it is in Western culture. So a couple other things to be mindful about with the love languages, is that your love language can change over time. So your love language as a child, as a teen, 
young 20s, midlife, it can evolve, change, that's totally okay. The other thing I want to mention too, Gary Chapman has written, like I said earlier, many books, and his love languages also apply to children and teens. What's important to know about the love languages with your children is to know what they are so that you can connect with them at a deeper and richer level with them. And with that, you can find us on Facebook at The Mind and Wellness Podcast and visit us at our website at mentalhealthinc.com. Thanks for listening this week and we'll see you next time.